We are basically biological machines made up of cells that function. And when you look at a menstrual cycle, it is that that process of forming an egg and releasing an egg and then pregnancy occurring or not occurring that carries us through that phase. So it's a fairly complex mechanism. Welcome to The Whole View. I'm Stacey Tothip for Real Everything, and I'm here each week to dive deeper into how we can find happiness and health inside and out through self-love, body positivity, and discovering new ways to be our best selves. Before we get started, a reminder, this podcast is for general educational purposes and is not intended to diagnose, advise, or treat any physical or mental illness. And while Mm -hmm. Dr. Bill is an OBGYN, he's not your doctor, and we always recommend that you see a licensed health professional accordingly. I am excited to welcome you, Dr. Bill Rawls, a fourth-generation physician who left your OBGYN practice after your own severe health crisis in your 40s. And uh, Dr. Rawls felt that the medical system that trained him couldn't really offer the results and answers that he was desperately seeking. So to regain his health, he threw himself into researching how to survive and eventually thrive by embracing lifestyle changes. And now at age 66, is an active outdoor enthusiast in the best shape of his life, taking what he learned from that healing journey into helping others understand their true wellness beginning at the cellular level. And in his recent number one best-selling book, The Cellular Wellness Solution, Tap Into Your Full Health Potential with the Science-Backed Power of Herbs, Dr. Rawls dives into crucial natural phytochemicals missing from our diet and how they are the key to protecting cellular health, an essential component to living and aging well. And it has been a labor of love, I'm sure, created with extensive scientific research and having been endorsed by NPR's The People's Pharmacy, among other health and wellness experts. And specifically for today, for those of us that menstruate, the show is for us, but Science hasn't really done a good job of helping to really fully understand our bodies in terms of how they do studies and tests and all the kinds of things just really doesn't take into account how very different menstruating bodies are from the opposite sex. And there is magic in the ability to harness the power of our cycles for good. And I'm excited to talk about that today so that Listeners can, instead of being caught off guard by potential lack of motivation or a burst of energy they weren't expecting that naturally come with menstrual cycle fluctuations, Dr. Bill is the perfect guide to guide us not only in being able to understand that, but also how to optimize our health and lean into some of the lifestyle and nutritional things that might be able to support in some of these cycles. So welcome to the show, Dr. Bill. I have been... Thank you wanting to talk about this topic for probably two years. I've been looking for the right person to have this conversation with, and I'm so excited that you're here and we're going to dive into it. Well, I can usually give a different point of view and take a different angle on things. So yeah, sounds great. (laughs) I'd love if you could maybe tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. You kite surf and you live in Wilmington, which I have Mm -hmm. visited many times. My mother used to live there. So Do you have any fun anecdotes? Let us into your personality a little bit. We know your professional life now, but what's fun about you? (laughs) I I grew up 
on the coast and have always had that in my blood. So wind and waves are my thing. And it's what's kept me sane through all the years. I started windsurfing well, a long time ago and then kite surfing. And through the years that I was struggling, my late 40s and 50s, even when it was really hard to get out there, it's, well, it was one of the things that kept me sane. And that was my stress relief. Life could be terrible. I could have gone for several days without sleep. And if I could get out there and just do something out on the water, it would all clear off and life would be better. So I've always relied on that. And I feel fortunate that at age 66, I'm still able to do those things. Around age 50, I thought they were gone, but I still do a lot of stuff. I'm still kite surfing, kayaking, do a lot of things on the water. I love that you're also connecting with nature, which has all of its own benefits and um, a lot of the mental health benefits of experiencing awe and all of those kinds of things as well. So I see how that is great value in your life. As we move into a more clinical type topic, I'd love if maybe we could start out with just a little bit of groundwork. So can you talk to us about, because your expertise is cellular health, you talk about a lot more than just menstruation and all of the work that you do. So maybe you can help us understand why cellular health specifically is so critical to our overall health. Yeah. When you want to simplify things, something and understand it, take it down to its smallest functional unit. And we don't do that in the conventional medical system. We look mainly what our system is designed in terms of chronic illness, at least, is just addressing manifestations of illness because that's a limitation of drugs and medical therapies. We can reduce symptoms. We can reduce inflammation. We can maybe have some effect on hormone imbalances, but those are all manifestations of illness, not underlying causes. And if you're not getting at the driving causes, there are things that are making those things happen. You're just not going to get people well. So the body is made of cells. Everything that happens in the body, whether that's a heart beating, whether it's hormones being produced by your hypothalamus and ovaries, whether it is your intestines doing their job, it's all done by cells. And so every one of the cells, trillions of cells in your body, but every one of them is an independently functioning machine. And you can think of them as like little biological machines that have a job. And when we think of hormones, we talk about hormones and what the hormones are doing. Well, what the hormones are doing are connecting cells. So all of our cells have a job, but if they were all working randomly, we wouldn't be, we wouldn't be, we'd just be a mess. So... All of those cellular functions have to be connected and coordinated. And that's done by a vast network of hormones and chemical messengers that are constantly going on inside the body. So every cell in the body is talking to every other cell in the body all the time. And the brain is leading the charge. So the brain is sensing what's going on, not only inside the body, but outside the body and using hormones and nerves to coordinate all those cellular functions. So whatever's going on outside, we're matching that. All of those cellular functions are coordinated. And that's really the crux of understanding health right there. If all your cells are healthy, 
then you're going to be healthy and you're not going to have symptoms. And all of those functions, all those hormones are going to be balanced. So that's as simple as that. I have also done a lot of shows on microbiome. And I think it's funny because you're referring to the cells as machines. And I'm thinking of like the all the friends that live in our body that are like the machine's pets right now, right? We have all these analogies of what our bodies are doing. Well, yeah, and our microbiome. And when we talk about microbiome, we're talking about chiefly the gut and the skin and other locations in the body. Where I am, where my studies have carried me, starting with chronic Lyme disease 20 years ago and really moving beyond then and really studying the science, looking at the research that's going on worldwide, it's not that simple. So it's all about what microbes want from you. All the things that we have a relationship with are host-dependent, right? So what is it they want from you? What do they need? Yeah, I think it's a good point and question. We had a recent show about probiotics where we got really into that and trying to understand that um, the microbiome don't care about us in terms of taking care of us. They're taking care of themselves and what they need. And so we need to fully understand that when we're looking at the big picture. Right. Our bodies and health, yeah. Yeah, basically they need nutrients. They need carbohydrates, fats, proteins, vitamins, that sort of thing to make more microbes. That's the only purpose of microbes is making more microbes. And as long as food is present and conditions are right, they'll keep right on growing. So we have different kinds of food in the body. I call it freely available food and protected food. So the freely available food is all the food stuff in our gut or oils on our skin. So they, microbes can live off of that without harming us. But when it boils right down to it, all of our tissues, all of our cells are potential food for microbes. So we have to separate them. And it's, so we have different levels of protection. Actually, we think about just the immune system, but it's actually more complicated than that. We have barriers. We have the skin that keeps the microbes out, keeps moisture in, keeps those bacteria on the surface or foreign bacteria away from us completely. We have the lining of the gut that contains all of those microbes. We have the sinuses, nasal passages, the lining of the vagina. All of these things are designed to keep foreign microbes out and keep our other, our resident microbes on a surface and separate from our tissues because quite frankly, they are potentially harmful to us. They will, a pathogen does harm by consuming our cells. But not only do we have foreign microbes coming in and crossing those barriers, crossing the skin, getting in through the gut, our nasal passageways, we have our resident microbes that are crossing into the bloodstream. And they're constantly pouring into the bloodstream. They're trickling much more than we might recognize. Sometimes we know about it. We feel an infection. We get a cold or flu or whatever. A lot of times we don't. Things come into our body. And these things are backup defenses, the immune system. But a lot of things get past the immune system. And when they do, they bury into our cells. They can invade our cells. So bacteria, viruses, protozoa, yeast invade our cells all through our lifetime. 
And one mechanism that they have of survival is just becoming dormant. So that's where a lot of my current studies is that we have this, what is being called the dormant blood and tissue microbiome, that we actually have dormant bacteria and viruses, et cetera, not a few, but hundreds of different species in our brain, in our heart, in our bloodstream, everywhere. And as long as you're healthy, then these things just stay quiet. But they come in insidiously, and most of the time we don't know about it, and we collect these things as we go through lifetime. And things that I was studying and worried about might be microbial a long time ago when I was first in practice, we're starting to see evidence of that. We're starting to see evidence that these reactive microbes are play a role in premature labor. They can play a role. If finally, they found a bacteria that was associated with endometriosis. So a lot of our changes in our body can actually be driven by microbes. So that's one of the things that throws us off balance and can lead to various kinds of chronic illnesses. I'm at a point where I think that probably time will uncover microbe connections, these dormant reactivated microbes, not one, but many at a time are associated with most, if not all chronic illnesses and most, if not all cancers. It's a fascinating kind of concept to wrap my mind around in terms of all the different things that go into some of the chronic health issues that you're talking about, because I've also been doing a lot of research lately about the implications on mental health. And so then it gets to chicken and egg for me in terms of, well, is our mental health being negatively affected by the dormant things that are potentially harming us? Or were those welcomed in because our defenses were down and we weren't healthy or feeling our best, right? It's this whole thing of we can, I personally feel like we can chase what the cause was all day long, but that doesn't help anybody feel better and doesn't solve the problem of how do we get to better health. And yeah. I think a lot of listeners, myself included, who have had either autoimmune disorders or chronic illness or any of these things, we immediately go to that blame place, right? Of like, oh, well, right. it's my fault. I did something wrong. I, I shouldn't have been on a hike and gotten bitten by a tick if it's a Lyme situation. That's ridiculous, right? Like, that's absolutely ridiculous thought process. And it's the same thing about any other chronic illness or thing that might be within us, we we cannot absorb that blame. It just begets the negativity and, and all of that kind of stuff. Yes. Well, there are things that we can control and things that we can't as much. But even when you look at the tick-borne pathogens, which people are, they're getting a lot more attention than ever now. This is a statement that a lot of people raise their eyebrows when I say, these are all low-grade pathogens. They don't generally make people sick. Ticks have been biting humans since the beginning of time, and humans have been contracting these microbes ever since their, their humans started. We have pretty good built-in immunity to them. And the indication of that is how bad a microbe is. It's really more about whether you have built-in immunity than the microbe itself. So Ebola is bad because 
humans have never been exposed to it and we have zero built-in immunity. So it, when it hits the bloodstream, there's nothing to stop. When tick-borne microbes hit the bloodstream, we have pretty good immunity against most of those things. And it's like the mortality of get contracting Ebola virus is 60%. The mortality associated with an acute infection of Lyme disease is near zero. And most people don't get very sick at all. And that's the problem, that when you look at chronic Lyme disease, what most people are identified with, most people don't remember a tick bite or becoming sick around the time of a tick. These things are stealthy. They win by stealth, not by brute force. And this idea that they enter our system, get past the immune system, and drill into our cells, and then if we're healthy, they become dormant. That's what happened to me. I played in the woods my whole life when I was a kid and got lots of tick bites, but it wasn't until I had been taking OB call for 20 years, every second to third night, that I did not sleep for 20 years, every second to third night, that it finally caught up with me. And so the other side of the cell equation is this. When you look at a cell, all cells need some basic requirements to be healthy. And if you're meeting those requirements, you're in pretty good shape. Um, all cells need the right, right nutrients. So if you're eating a good, well-rounded whole food diet that didn't load it in carbohydrates, you're giving your cells what they need. They need a clean environment to operate. And today we're exposed to a lot of environmental toxins, chiefly from burning coal and petrochemicals, plastics, that sort of thing. It just inhibits cellular functions, not one cell, every cell type in the body. They need downtime. If you're not sleeping eight hours a night and you're not getting some downtime during the day, your cells are going to be stressed. The, third, the fourth thing is they need good blood flow, and we get that from moving regularly. They need to flush away toxins and metabolic waste and get nutrients, and we get that's enhanced when we exercise and we move more blood. And the fifth thing is they need protection from microbes because we've got our bloodstream is more like a freeway than a sterile area like we once thought, that things are constantly coming in. So... I mentioned levels of protection from microbes. The first is barriers, those physical barriers to keep them out. The second is the immune system. That's your backup system. And it's familiar with most of the things that come in, but some things slip through. The third is your cells. Your cells can actually expel or destroy invasive microbes. But that concept of dormancy is really important. This is a survival mechanism that all bacteria, all viruses, all of them have. Streptococcus, everything. I read a study the other day that streptococcus that causes strep throat can become dormant inside cells and tissues throughout the body and then reactivate. It can stay dormant for weeks, months, and then reactivate, and it can cause something called pandas in children, which is... And that medical doctors haven't made that connection, that it, the microbes are dormant and then they reactivate. So that can happen with anything. So this concept of dormancy, and there are studies that have defined that we actually have a microbiome of the brain, bacteria that stay inside of our brain and are dormant inside of our brain cells. Where do they come from? Sinuses, skin, and gut, chiefly, but they just hang out. We have 
dormant. And this, all of this sounds like science fiction, but the science, you can do the PubMed searches. It's documented in my book. The studies are really solid that this exists. We actually do have bacteria dormant inside our red blood cells and our white blood cells. Bacteria, viruses can manipulate our immune system and they can manipulate our hormones. And that affects how, they, how we feel. So the science of how bacteria can manipulate a host to get what they want is really fascinating. So it's not just hormones produced by bacteria in the gut that influence our emotions and how we feel. It's also actual bacteria in our tissues and in our cells and in our brain. This podcast is sponsored by my trusted restorative clean hair care, Vegapore, with a 20% discount so you get the hair of your dreams for less. When it comes to seeing results, the key is really consistency. Vegamore's products have been a part of my routine for years, and I am beyond thrilled to finally have healthy long hair for the first time since my teens, maybe my early 20s. I can validate their clinically proven results as well. Tested to improve density, reduce shedding, and 91% of customers say they saw visibly thicker hair with Vegamore in just three months. I saw results much sooner than that, but over time it has gotten even better because all of Vegamore's products are 100% cruelty-free and never contain parabens. If it weren't for the results that I am seeing myself, visibly thicker, fuller hair, much longer, fast-growing hair without all the harsh ingredients, I'm not sure that I would believe it, but they have so many products and options now, even for graying hair. I personally use the Grow Revitalizing line, and fun fact... Vegamore sells one bottle of Grow Hair Serum every 15 seconds on their website. That's how good the stuff is. I also love the shampoo and conditioner. I recommend getting the foundation kit to help you save because it includes my beloved clarifying serum, which helps clean the scalp, increase blood flow, and remove the buildup from their dry shampoo. I mean, not their dry shampoo, but any dry shampoo is going to leave a buildup on your scalp. But the Clarifying Serum is amazing at helping my scalp feel so fresh and clean. And then I don't have to wash it for a whole week because of their styling products. Their dry shampoo, which helps me reduce washing to only once or twice a week. And then the spray leave-in conditioner with heat protection and helping to make sure that the ends of my hair don't dry out as I'm not washing it. So I cannot recommend enough all of the products, especially sprays, because it is important to use safer products since inhalation or consumption has a higher absorption rate for potential toxins. Mostly though, I'm just obsessed because it's awesome. It smells so good just using fruit oils. It's super hydrating without making my hair oily. You can elevate your wellness routine this year with Vegamore. For a limited time, get 20% off your first subscription order by going to vegamore.com slash whole view and use code HOVEVIEW at checkout. That's V-E-G-A-M-O-U-R dot com slash HOVEVIEW, code HOVEVIEW to save 20% on your first order. V-E-G-A-M-O-U-R dot com slash HOVEVIEW, code HOVEVIEW. This podcast is sponsored by Indeed, the hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. With over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, 
and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast, you can ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agreed Indeed delivered the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Even my kids used it for their first jobs because it was so easy for all ages to use. I even used it in ye olden days to get my career break because leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. And so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. In the minute I've been talking to you, 23 hires were made on Indeed, according to Indeed data worldwide. And listeners of the show get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash WholeView. Just go to Indeed.com slash WholeView right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash WholeView. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Could talk about the complications of all of this and dig into it for hours. I want to focus on one of the things that you said, which was a lot of this was activated for you when you weren't leaning into your own best habits of sleep, essentially, and stress causing significant impact and causing a lot of whether it's activation or oxidation or whatever it might be, I think a lot of what I want to dig into as it relates to menstruation is this idea that not only do people who menstruate have that same factor that we need to consider, like every human, in terms of stress and sleep and lifestyle and how these things are affecting our overall wellness, but we have this additional layer of these hormone fluctuations that occur every month that whether we're teenagers and on a hormonal roller coaster or whether we're bearing children and on that hormonal roller coaster or we're entering perimenopause and we it's like this massive fluctuation of hormones that play into all the factors that you just mentioned but it's like an additional layer on top that becomes this massive puzzle for us to all figure out and as educated as I am Only in the last couple of years did I learn that ovulation and menstruation weren't the only phases of a menstrual cycle. I cannot believe that it is not taught in school. I hope that it is now. I don't know. But take us to school. What today, what are the four phases and what do they on a very high level mean for us when people who menstruate are thinking about our health picture uh, month to month, cyclically. Right. Well, it's that we are basically biological machines made up of cells that function. And when you look at a menstrual cycle, it is that, that process of forming an egg and releasing an egg and then pregnancy occurring or not occurring that carries us through that phase. So it's a fairly complex mechanism that is going on in every female's life from the time of puberty all the way till menopause. 
And it's a very natural cycle, but we have a lot of things that are interfering that. So the different phases starts basically with menstruation. And after that, basically that's a signal, well, pregnancy didn't occur. We're going to start over again. And after that, the ovaries start recruiting follicles. So this is called the follicular phase. And follicles are basically eggs. They're cells right in the ovaries that, and so those ovaries have, the, those follicles have the dual purpose of actually potentially becoming the follicle that ovulates, but also producing hormones that prepare things. So again, what hormones do is prepare cellular functions, is it influence cellular functions throughout the body. So during that follicular phase, you're recruiting follicles throughout the ovary and those follicles start producing estrogen. And that estrogen is preparing the body for that ovulation to occur. So it's an important change that's affecting. So every cell in the body, every cell in the body has estrogen receptors. So that's really important to know that so so when we are going through this follicular phase and this and the estrogen is increasing, it's telling cells throughout the body, hey, we, we're going through this preparatory phase. We need you to prepare for that. So, so that's really important. So it's affecting brain cells, heart cells, everything throughout the body, but certain cells in very specific ways to prepare for that ovulation. And so the estrogen ramps up until it hits a peak, and that sets a chain reaction that starts in the hypothalamus of affecting other hormones that are produced by the hypothalamus, FS, LH and FSH, that prepare for that ovulation. So one of those follicles that had been growing and separating out, the one that's in the lead, becomes the ovulation. So ovulation occurs, the egg is released, that process, it's moving down through the, the, the ovary. It's really fascinating, but the follicular end of the tube kind of surrounds that area on that particular ovary where that ovulation is occurring. So the egg will flow down through the tube and eventually into the uterus. And along the way, it meets sperm if an ovulation, if pregnancy is going to occur. And that sends it to a different pathway. But say sperm don't get there, um, then that egg just basically is reabsorbed. And everybody's like, oh, well, what happens with that? Well, it's just a, a single cell, a really small cell. So we're losing cells all the time. And it just gets reabsorbed back into the body. But when that happens, then we we switch into a different phase. So after the ovulation, the area, the tissue, the cells on the ovary where the ovulation occurs become a, a corpus luteum, and that starts secreting progesterone. So the purpose of progesterone is to change gears and say, okay, there might be a pregnancy. We need to prepare the lining of the uterus. We need to prepare the uterus. And it starts sending out progesterone, and that carries a different message into the body. And so progesterone starts building out. So it's a big switch. Two major hormones that have very different effects, one dominant in one phase, one dominant in another phase, until you hit the point that whether things are going to be, there's going to be a pregnancy with an implantation or not. 
And if that doesn't happen, then those follicles atrophy and you have a period, you slough off that prepared endometrium, and then you start all over again. If a pregnancy does occur, if there's a fertilization of that egg, then there's implantation and that corpus luteum becomes a corpus luteum of pregnancy that the progesterone keeps going and just keeps changing things. It loosens joints, it affects everything just is, is changed in the body to prepare for that upcoming pregnancy. So you have the progest high progesterone through about 12 weeks of the pregnancy. And, and that's where we are with the whole thing. But one thing you have to think about is that's a pretty natural cycle that fed into a pretty natural rhythm, rhythm for hundreds of thousands of years. So if you go back, let's go back 50,000 years, 100,000 years. For hundreds of thousands of years, humans ate a forged food diet. They woke up when the sun woke up. They started foraging. They foraged throughout the day. Some people may have hunted. Some people may have just hung out with that local tribe and take, took care of kids. But basically, it was this very basic cycle that repeated on a 24-hour basis that they basically collected food through the day, rested at different times during the day, were physically active. And then when it got dark, they went to sleep and slept through the night. And that was how people lived. Compare that with what we do today and how disruptive that is with all the stress and all the deadlines and all the, the, and everything and computers and cell phones and all of the stimulation we have and how we eat and what we eat, everything has changed so dramatically that we don't always tolerate that very well. It really messes up our rhythms and that can affect menstrual cycles and everything else in the body. I think we did a show. I know we did a show about the circadian rhythm affecting um, menstrual cycles and looking at the study of if people are under actual moonlight and not in false light, how very different cycles are because of exactly what you're talking about when we look at false light, computers, circadian rhythms, all the things. And that's just one aspect. We know also that stress has a huge impact on menstrual cycle. And to me, it feels very logical, right? Like when we think about a hunter-gatherer type environment, your body needs to know if it is a safe time to produce a child. Because if you don't have adequate food or if you don't have adequate rest, it is, or if you're highly stressed because you're being chased by predators, none of those scenarios warrant an ideal time to bring in an infant so to me our body has created justification for nope not a great time right. and so now we're we apply modern day with all the things that are in our lives and it's not one thing that one person is doing i don't want anyone to hear this and think uh, if they're struggling with pregnancy or something we are not saying in any way that it is your fault what we're saying is modern life and unless you're gonna buy a farm in on your own island somewhere it's very hard to escape modern life is just not something our bodies our hormones 
and all the things that were built in based on evolution for so long understand whether or not it's the right time for those things. Um, so to me, as you're explaining this stuff, I'm like, well, yes, but also it makes sense why the mechanics of this would have developed in such a way in our bodies. But what I think is difficult is, okay, well, we know all that. Now, how do we apply it to modern day, right? Like, how do we implement better things for ourselves, knowing what we know? Yeah, it's the the other side about a foraged, a foraging lifestyle is they lived on ground level. They didn't have protection from the weather. There were snakes and tigers and there, there, so life was cut short by accidents, by trauma, by snake bites, by all of these things that are, that very commonly occurred. And so there's not a lot of fossil evidence that they live very long in it. So they lived what by some definitions set our standard for what is important for our, our cellular health by what we eat and, and how we go about life. But at the same time, there was a lot of bad stuff that really shortened life pretty, pretty rapidly. So in a lot of ways, we are living in the best of time because we can make choices. And that's really important. Now, we can make choices to live a better lifestyle. We have access to better food than ever before in humans. We have the choice of being able to work when we want to and really how much we want to. We have the choice of sleeping when we want to in very comfortable situations that aren't dangerous. They Sleeping out in the open 50,000 years ago was really dangerous. And we live in places. We can control our environment. We can control the weather inside of our homes. So in so many ways, we're living in the best of times, and it's really just a matter of choice. And doing the things that promote cellular health can really, it's a great time to be alive. We just got to make those choices. Friends, have you celebrated yourself this month, the month of self-care? It might be time, and I've got a 40% savings tip for you. Podcast listeners can exclusively save at realeverything.com slash podcast to find out more on how to get a gift from me. And you can combine it with Beauty Counter's Clean for All 20 code, which is 20% off site-wide. It applies to already discounted regimens. That's up to 40% savings on high-performance four-step skincare or makeup routine. And at realeverything.com slash podcast, I have a skin quiz to help you match to the perfect routine for you. If you don't love it, you have 60 days to return it, no questions asked. It is time to give yourself some love. Switch out some of your products for safe and effective ones. Let me help you, please. Give the brand that literally changed America's personal care industry a try. 23 human health endpoints throughout nine testing batches ensure the final product is always safe for you and your loved ones. Unlike the reports you're hearing now recently about PFAS, benzene, and asbestos contaminated personal care products. And shopping with me supports my woman-owned small business, and you're voting with your wallet by supporting a certified B Corp that is mission-led and whose goal is to get safer products into the hands of everyone through health protective laws, while also giving back to the planet through sustainable fair trade ingredients. 
Go to beautycounter.com slash Toth, just like any other website, and choose me, S-T-A-C-Y-T-O-T-H, so that I can thank you. I love the idea of it being choice. I do want to call out that not everyone has the privilege of all the choices that you mentioned. And I agree. When, when we're considering our lifestyle, it's also a journey that we're all on. It took me a very long time to, as the breadwinner for my family, reconfigure our lives in a way that allowed me to have a less stressful job. Because I find once you're right. on the roll in a situation, as I'm sure because you were a doctor, right? Like walking away from that is not always the easiest thing. And people who don't have access to flexible jobs or some of these things, we're in that stress cycle. And while we can strive to make some of these choices, some of them are also not something that can change immediately. So I just want to call that out. And I, I know you're nodding <laughs> for listeners to know, like you're on that same page. But sometimes when we talk about those things, I like to call that out because I understand that not everyone has access to you know, the same foods as people who are living in a more urban area or, you know, like all these different kinds of things that can impact our ability to make those choices. That said. Yeah, I, I accept that. And there's certainly places around the world that people are having only terrible choices. And, and I'm definitely one for trying to move the world into a better place. So so people in general had better choices. And it took me about a decade to get to a point where I would consider that I was living a sane and healthful lifestyle as far as diet and how I went about life and sleep and everything else. It took some work to get there, no doubt about it. But it's not necessarily about wealth, though. And if you're familiar with the Blue Zone studies done by a group of National Geographic researchers, they looked at areas in the world where people had longevity and low incidence of chronic illness. And the Blue Zone studies weren't the only ones. There are a number of them. And what they found is it wasn't people who had access to medical care and were very well, but they grew their own food They, they and, and they, they lived well and they lived without illness for a long time to get there. But we need it badly because right now it's defined that 60% of the American population are suffering from some kind of health con condition. 60%. Go over age 50, it's 75%. And what I would say to that is, yeah, we can do better. We can do better as a society. We can take care of each other better. And we can accept and try to work toward a place where more people do have a choice to have a really healthy lifestyle. No, I agree completely. And I think one of the things that you said was it's not about wealth. And I would say for me, it's about challenging how I define wealth, right? Like for me, I think a lot of us immediately think about money, but for me, wealth and it's funny that last show I recorded. I don't know how it's going to come out for listeners. I think it's next week for them. We talked about Blue Zone. We also talked about relationships as being really key in those areas, right? And so I think of healthy relationships as being another thing that increases my wealth because that's something that I pours into my sense of well-being and increases my happiness long-term. So there's all these factors that go into it. But let me get yeah. us back on topic because I love that you 
broke down the four phases. One of the things that I want to talk about. So I heard you say menstruation, follicular phase, ovulation, and luteal phase. Um, one of the things that fascinates me about this is with those hormone fluctuations that you were talking about, increase of estrogen, decrease of estrogen, increase of progesterone, um, and decrease of that, it causes fluctuations in our mood, in our energy levels, things that we can expect of ourselves to be able to either maximize our time, like pouring into relationships or building in rest or building in productivity, being able to plan a heavy lifting session or setting aside time for creative projects. All of these things we can actually plan better if we understand those four cycles and how our body will feel in them. So can you talk a little bit about Yes, there's higher estrogen in follicular phase, but what does that mean in terms of what we might feel from that? Well, estrogen is stimulating. It's stimulating cells to get ready for the ovulation. Progesterone is calming. It's settling things down and loosening things up and getting it ready for pregnancy. So, so you've got one hormone that is stimulating, energizing, and one hormone that is calming and really de-energizing a little bit. So you're, it's not surprising that you're going to have more energy during that uh, follicular phase. But at the same time, you're, it's going to be sometime, if, you're, if, you, if you've got a lot of other things going in the life, it could be over-energizing and... And so you could be anxious and uncomfortable, whereas the opposite can happen with progesterone that you get a little bit depressed. And some of that is natural, but all of these things are aggravated or influenced by what else is going on in your life. It all goes to the hypothalamus. So the hypothalamus is a walnut-sized structure right at the base of your brain. And I think of it as your thermostat. It is what is influencing sleep and wake cycles and hunger and temperature and everything. And it is receiving signals from what's going on in the body, but also from the brain. And so it's monitoring your adrenal, your stress glands, your thyroid, metabolism, and your ovaries. So those are the three big things that the hypothalamus oversees. And it works through the pituitary. I think of the pituitary like a secretary. It's like the hypothalamus is handing down messages to the pituitary and the, pitu and, the, and the pituitary is sorting those things and sending them out to the adrenals and the thyroid and the ovaries to try to coordinate all of those functions, to make sure that all the cells in the body are doing what they need to do. But you have to remember that hypothalamus is also getting signals from the upper brain too. And if the upper brain says, there's a fire going on and things are terrible out here, then it's going to really push toward that stress um, angle. And so, so it's going, your adrenaline is going to up, be up, your cortisol is going to be up, and you're going to be stressed. And, it's, and the hypothalamus is going to say, well, we don't really need to be having babies right now. And so it shuts down that whole wing. And but if that's happening every now and like you were running from a tiger or something, that's okay. But if you're running from the tiger 24-7, which we are often doing, it disrupts that whole thing. So 
you've got too much cortisol, too much adrenaline, your brain's on fire all the time, and it just totally messes up your metabolism and that normal cycle of your ovaries. So everything becomes dysfunctional. You have too much estrogen, not enough progesterone, and everything just becomes a mess. It makes so much sense to me, as we mentioned earlier. I think one of the other areas that I'm curious about, so the follicular phase being more stimulating, having the potential for higher energy, but also potentially stressful, and then the ovulation cycle being potentially calming or de-energizing or potentially bringing on depression. The luteal phase is where we would experience PMS. Is that correct? Pre-menstruation. And we would expect things like fluctuations in moods. I was surprised to read one of the studies I was looking into before the show was that 90% of women in reproductive age experience several premenstrual symptoms varying from mild to severe and 20 to 40 percent experience what would be truly referred to as PMS syndrome. And then I actually have a child in my house that suffers from PMDD, which I didn't even know what that was before our you know research and diagnosis because two to eight percent of people suffer from that, which is a very severe and debilitating form of of PMS for a better word, but that would be more along the lines of a luteal phase. Is that correct? Yeah. And then menstruation is where I think like you could help us have great understanding of nutrient depletion, right? I think of that period of time for me, both the luteal phase and the menstruation phase where my body is really signaling to me that it is craving certain things. I always crave sushi and steak and chocolate. And I'm convinced that it's the omega-3s, the iron and the magnesium. But I'm wondering from a perspective of replenishing our cellular health, replenishing after blood loss and nutrient loss from menstruation, what do you recommend to optimize those time periods? Our cells need energy. Energy is a real priority. We need to feed our mitochondria carbohydrates and fats to to, so we can have, if your cells don't have energy, then you're in trouble. So energy is a priority. And you're, when you look at our ancient food supply, it didn't have very much. You had to eat a lot of food to get enough energy to survive. And so our whole psychology is about getting enough calories to survive. And that's really embedded in our brain. So I, I always tell people, do, do what feels good to you. Do what makes you feel better. Don't make yourself miserable trying to follow specific guidelines. I like to always leave listeners with something positive or actionable that they can take and walk away with today to either work on themselves or be of service to others. There's a lot of things that we talked about and learned. So I'm wondering if you had like one idea that someone would, when they're done with this show, say, I'm going to do this one thing to implement the lessons I learned today, what would it be? Well, the one thing that you're going to get the most benefit from more than anything else is going, getting out and walking three miles a day. That's probably the one thing. If you were only going to do one thing, get out and start walking. If you can't walk, 
do some kind of movement that's equivalent to that. That's my minimum. I at least walk three miles a day. And I don't do it all at one time. I do a mile. My, my dog gets me out there. I do a mile in the morning and a mile in the midday and a mile in the evening. And I may do other things too, but that's my minimum. They, they, they call exercise the great equalizer because it's balancing hormones. It's, it's reducing stress hormones. It's one of the best antidepressants on the planet. It is also increasing blood flow, which flushes away just built up toxic waste and metabolic waste around the, your cells. So exercise alone is doing a lot of things. So if you want that one thing, get out and walk three miles a day. It's really important. What kind of dog do you have? It's a golden retriever mix. He's a great dog. I have brachiocephalus dogs who can, I was like imagining them doing three miles a day. When we walk, we have to leave them at home because they'll have a heart attack if they go too far um, or exert themselves too much. So I knew you had a a big, happy dog frolicking with you for three miles. So well, listeners, I want to thank you for tuning in today. If you'd like to keep in touch with Dr. Bill Rawls, you can do so at RawlsMD.com. And we'll put the link in the show notes for you. Dr. Bill also has information at VitalPlan.com. And you can check out his book, The Cellular Wellness Solution. I just looked down at it myself to make sure I was saying it correctly. Tap into your full health potential with the science-backed power of herbs. And like you said, Dr. Bill, there's lots of science and different kinds of lessons that can be learned in your book. I want to thank you so much for your time today. Good listeners, we've put a list of resources mentioned in the show notes for you at realeverything.com. And you can head to patreon.com slash the whole view to get all of our shows delivered to your inbox ad free, which is a really great way to support the show that we create and produce ourselves. And if you enjoyed it, we would love for you to leave a review saying so. It costs you nothing except maybe just a minute of your time and makes a huge difference in my being able to continue to do this work. And don't forget to follow or subscribe in the podcast app you're using. As always, we appreciate your willingness to be open to growth through your own personal changes because no one is perfect, but in listening, learning, and unlearning, we can choose to become better versions of ourselves for ourselves. Thank you so much for your time today, Dr. Bill. Thank you. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.